0: Hello and welcome to Parsha on the Pod. My name is Yechiel Shaffer. I'm the Rabbi of the Pikesville Jewish Congregation, and this week we take a look at Parshat B'haat a critical, fascinating, and important Parsha that contains some interesting events, some critical moments in the development of the Jewish people. Most significantly, it contains two backward nuns, an anomaly that the sages point out creates a major division in the middle of Sefer Bamidbar. We are going to and, that, and much more, as we are taking a look at Parsha Midbar in seven parts. Part one: tabera el la ba'alotcha et hanerot. God spoke with Moshe and told him that Aaron should light the menorah in the Mikdash each and every day, which Aaron did. God now tells Moshe to take the Levium and to purify them in preparation for the work they are about to undertake. The purifi- purification process will require that they be sprinkled with purification water and that their body be shaved and free of any body hair. The Levim should take a bowl, a meal offering, and a second bowl and present them at the entrance to the Mishkan. The entire community of Israel will be present too. The Israelites should rest their hands, hands on the heads of the Levim and Aaron should wave each levy in preparation for them to serve. That is a lot of waving. The Lavim should rest their hands on the heads of the bulls that they're bringing, and then bring them as a sacrifice. This Sephorno chapter... Part 2 Ba'ach rei yavo yevoha Lavod, la'avod ohel moed. After the ceremony with the Levium, in which they become elevated, equivalent to a Karban, if you will, it should be known that they took their place in place of the firstborns, who were originally intended to be part of this category. The Levium were placed as a buffer between the Mishkan and the Jewish people to prevent any, God forbid, tragedies that proximity to the holiest of things may cause. Moshe, Aaron, and the Levium, and all of Israel, did exactly as they were instructed to by God. God said to Moshe that the male Levim should be in service from the age of 25 until 50. They should watch over the Mikdash, and they shall protect it. Rashi, chapter 8, verse 24, points out that another verse, Bar four 4.3, suggests that the Levim should be in service from the age 30 plus. Rashi suggests that the first five years are dedicated to studying and learning the laws that relate to their service. Everything needs a little preparation. And so ends part two. Part three. God spoke with Moshe in the second year since they left Egypt. In the first month in the wilderness of Sinai as follows. The Israelites should make a carbon Pesach on the 14th of the month moshe communicated this to the israelites and was approached by a group of jews who were richly impure and thus could not fulfill the command they wanted to participate so moshe inquired with god on how they could god responds by saying there is a makeup date one month later for this korban, and many of the same laws apply to this korban when it is being offered one month later how wonderful so ends part three Part four Hakim On the day that the Mishkan was set up, finally completed, a cloud filled and covered the building. During the day it appeared as a cloud, at night it appeared as a pillar of fire. The Israelites would travel when the cloud lifted off the Mishkan and would cease when the cloud settled on the Mishkan, when the cloud filled the Mishkan up again. They would only travel at God's instructions when he he himself raised or lowered the cloud. God tells Moshe to create two silver trumpets that would be used to indicate the camp is about to move, or to gather various components of the congregation to the Mishkan. These trumpets were also used to announce the start of war and to mark the beginning of any Jewish holidays. The Sophorno chapter 10 verse 2 points out that these trumpets were used to add regality to the occasion upon which they were blown. This can perhaps explain why the Torah tells us about the trumpets right after they told us about the other tools that were used to instruct traveling. Yes, the cloud raised and the Jewish people traveled. But when the Jewish people traveled, it was like royalty traveling and it was accompanied by a fanfare. And so ends part 4. Part 5 It was in the second year of the 20th day of the second month that the cloud lifted from upon the Mishkan. Israel traveled from the Sinai Desert to the desert of Paran. The Torah now reviews the structure by which the, the tribes traveled, pointing out that the tribe of Yehuda was at the helm of the camp. Moshe now tells his father-in-law here named Chovav ben Reuel to travel with the Israelites to stay with them. He insists that he has to return to Midian. Moshe pleads with him to stay and the Torah does not share what Chovav decides to do. They now marched from the mountain of God for 3 days led by Aaron, following the movements led by the Aron, following the movements of the clouds. And so ends part 5. Part six. The Torah now tells us that when, when the Aaron HaKodesh traveled, Moshe would pronounce a prayer asking God to intervene in protecting the Jewish people. This short prayer is marked off in the Torah by the use of inverted nuns. The story now turns to a series of complaints by, by, uh, presented by the Jewish people and increasing difficulty in maintaining the Jewish existence in the desert. The Israelites complain initially. The verse does not outline their concerns, but God grows angry at their complaints. A consuming fire breaks out at the edge of the camp. Moshe prays and the fire subsides. The Israelites now become sentimental for the amenities that were available in Egypt. In particular, they meet the miss, they meet, they miss the meat and other delicacies that were available to them in Egypt. They complained bitterly about the blandness of the manna. Moshe now also complains about the burden of the people and their needs. They're too great. Moshe asks for meat for the people and he asks God to end his life because he cannot lead these people. God tells Moshe to select 70 men who will share the burden of leadership and that he will provide more meat than the people could ever imagine existed. All of a sudden, two people, Eldad and Medad, start prophesying in the camp. Yahshua runs to tell Moshe, who shares with Yahshua, that he is thrilled to hear of others who have attained prophecy. And so ends part 6. Part 7. Moshe al hu Yisrael. Quails now overtake the camp in droves. The people had more meat than they could ever imagine and spent day and night engorging themselves. God grew angry at their gluttony and named the place Kivrota Ta'ava after their debased instincts. The Torah now tells us that Miriam spoke against Moshe's wife and was struck by Tzara'at. We are told that Moshe was more humble than anyone who had ever lived. God scolds Aaron and Miriam for speaking against their brother. Moshe prays for his sister. Miriam was quarantined outside the camp for seven days and the entire Israel waited for her to heal before they traveled. And so ends part seven and the wonderful Parshat Baha'u Thank you for listening to Parsha and the Pod. Subscribe, share, and rate us on however you listen to podcasts. That'll help increase our exposure. One final thought in the Parsha. After God provides the Jewish people with quail, they immediately start feasting. The Torah says that God grew angry with their reaction. Why would God grow angry when they were doing exactly what they were expected to? God gave them, they asked for meat. God gave them meat. They ate the meat. Perhaps the answer is that they, that, they now, that they were supposed to take a few minutes at, to recognize the incredible generosity of God in providing an, an onslaught of quail. It's one thing to ask for meat and to get it. It's another thing to ask for meat and to pause and to recognize that God can provide. This has been Karshanapad. My name is Echel Shaffer. We hope you enjoyed. Have a wonderful day.